something, I want to look into that little camera we've got back in the back. I want to thank you guys. For those of you watching us live stream via Facebook or wherever you might be watching, or maybe those that are listening on uh, they're listening on uh, Amazon. I want to say Amazon. That's not correct. They're listening online. Podcast, that's the right word. You can tell I'm getting older. It's okay. I got my youth that are helping keep me in line. You know, I'm kind of losing a little bit of touch with that. But uh, love you guys today. So good to see all of you here in Smiling Faces. We still have people that are not feeling well. Please pray for them. I'm talking about total families that are not feeling well, and we're just praying that God uh, keeps you, blesses you. Amen. You stay germ-free. <laughs> Amen. All right. So we're going to be talking about King of My Heart. That's the title of this. When I started this message last week, I never intended to go two parts this week, but I really felt like I needed to carry this a little bit further. Now, I promise you today that you're going to leave this service, and you're going to remember this one for a lifetime, okay? Not because of what I say but because I'm an illustrative type of person. I'm going to illustrate you some things that you're going to leave here with a visual picture and probably get a laugh out of some of it. I'm not here joking about God or joking to God or trying to be funny. I need you to get this, and this is the only way that I know to do it. I've, I've done a lot of things in church, haven't I? I've got deacons here will tell you. We've brought motorcycles in and put them on the platform. We've cooked steaks on grills. We've done... Uh, uh, we brought old door frames in, preached on the blood of Jesus, and, and uh, did that at Easter time. I'm an illustrative type person. I'm an interactive because I need you to get it. I need you to get it. I need you to walk out of here with more than three points and a prayer, and then that's all you've got. I need you to leave here with something more. So expression, I told you that worship is it, what it is, is an expression to, of uh, it's love expressed to God, and it's in response to His grace to us or for us. The other thing that I need you to understand is that an expression, and this is just recapping from a little bit from last week, is what's on the inside. Everybody say on the inside. Coming out. Like when, when Tennessee whooping up on Indiana during the bowl game. Come on, somebody. I mean, you go. I get loud and rowdy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we haven't done anything since the Peyton Manning days. I need to get loud and rowdy about something, okay? And you guys will, you know, when the Tigers or, you know, the Tide or whoever it is. Yeah, I know. I'm seeing all kinds of hand signals back in the back. If I didn't call your Mississippi State Bulldogs, come on, Bulldogs. Somebody say, Pastor, you're not a Bulldogs fan, huh? Well, I paid enough money and took two kids through it, and they graduated. So, yes, uh, I, I am. I just got orange running through my veins, I guess, a little bit. So expression is what's on the inside coming out. And it really can't be worship unless it's expressed. Now, I'm going to give you the illustration. Guys, hang with me because I'm going to teach some. I'm going to preach some to you, all right? Because if you told your wife, hey, baby, you know that I love you. You know my heart, but you never express your love to her. Guys, you ain't going to be married long. You're going to be single. You, you know my heart. Valentine's Day is coming. I'm helping you guys out. Please write that down. You know, they will tell you I don't want anything. I'm not a chocolate person. I'm not a flowers person. But I'm going to tell you they want to know that you love them in some way, form, or fashion, whether it's a card. Some of them, it's diamonds for forever. If it's my wife, she says, show me the money. Come on, make it rain. Anybody there with me? Come on now. So here's what we've got to understand. It's not genuine worship if it doesn't come from love. Meaning that if you just do it out of obligation, it's not, it's not true. It's not genuine. I, 
I just, well, I got to love you. I ain't got no choice. If I'm going to get to heaven, I got to love you. No, it has to be more than that. Can I tell you something? If the only reason that you worship God is to keep yourself out of hell, you're doing it out of obligation. Does that make sense to you? So we love God not because of what he can do for us, but because of who he is, his character, what he stands for. We're not talking about God Mohammed. Are you with me? We're not worshiping an idol or a Buddhist. We're not worshiping in a Shinto shrine. We're worshiping God Jehovah. Pastor, how do you know that he is the God? Can I tell you something? Because he's the only one who sent his son in the form of a human, wrapped himself in flesh, God incarnate. Come on, somebody. You can go to the grave where a lot of these people are, and they're still there. But you can go to the tomb where they laid Jesus, and he's not there. Can I tell you, that makes him the one, the true, the living. Are you understanding me? So when we worship him, it's not about it's not about obligation. It's not about it's not about because I have to. So real quickly, real quick, for those of you missed this, what does a heart look like? And this is the one that I gave you. I won't go into again the USS Enterprise, but you know this is the bridge. And at the bridge, the middle of it, there's a. And I apologize, Bethany said, "Do you realize you call three people geeks in the church service?" Can I say that I'm sorry for that? Nerds, I'm sorry, nerds. I apologize for that. Uh, the USS Enterprise was a bridge. How many know that Captain Kirk sat at the center of this chair? Now, this thing's been changed. It came back out Nickelodeon. If you've ever watched that, some of you that are not old enough to remember when it did, they've changed a lot. But Captain Kirk normally sat there right in the middle, and he was the one who was given the instructions to the rest of these people. I know we're looking at two different screens here. There's one in the back, but... There's people sitting, and they're at the control of that. If you really want to know what your heart looks like, you've got to understand that there's something or someone sitting at the center of your heart. It can be your family. It can be your kids. It can be money. It can be your career. It can be a lot of things sitting at that. It can be sports. It can be hunting. It can be fishing. It can be a lot of things. So how do I determine who? Next pick, please, real quick. I've got to determine who is the king of my heart. Now, we're going to use the heart, which is the old standby that everybody sees and understands. And I know that it's probably hard for you guys to see it. I'd be happy to send it to you. But this picture is the center. We're going to say it's the center of who you are. That's the heart, not the blood pumping vessel in the middle of your chest. But it's where everything comes from. Your character, your feelings, your thoughts, your conscience, your emotions, your will, your intellect. That's the command center of your heart. And if you're not care, if you're not careful, you can get something else seated here other than Christ. And Christ has to be on the throne of your heart. If He's not on the throne of your heart, listen to me. There will be a lot of th- listen to what I'm about to tell you. Feelings will be telling your heart what to do. Come on, your intellect will be telling your heart what to do. Your will will be telling your heart what to do. Your emotions will be telling your heart what to do. Your conscience, your thoughts, all of those things. Whatever sits on the throne is what's directing your life. Believe me. Whatever sitting on the throne of your heart is what is directing you. Because whoever is there, money, lust, worry. We went through that last week. Relationships, career, all of these things will control your heart. But the thing you need to see is all these things can cause you to negate the blessing of the one who can bless you. Let me make it simple for you. 
what we will do is we will put something, I'm going to use family. We will put family on the center or the throne of our heart and we'll thank God for what took his place. We'll put our career at the center or on the throne of our heart and we'll thank God for what's taken his place. Can I tell you that anything that sits there other than Christ is an idol in your life? God never intended for it to be that. And I'm going to show you the Word. I'm going to show you that. And here's the thing. Believers who come to church every week participate in idol worship. Pastor, did you really say that? Yeah. Why? Because anything seated on the throne of your heart that's taken the place of God is an idol. Hear this. The reason, look, look here, listen here. The reason that some people have trouble with their worship, whether it's crying uh, tears, whether it's just whether it's lifting their hands, clapping their hands, uh, whether it's singing, whatever it is, back to God. Listen to this: is because you cannot truly worship freely the King because there's something else setting there. My story. Sometimes I have these feelings. Y'all being quiet, that's okay. It's all right. Maybe that's the best way for it. My feelings. My, my, my story, my, the thing that goes on with me is sometimes I have worry, sometimes I have fears, sometimes I have doubt, and I wonder why. Why is all that going on? I had this stuff last year, December. You guys have heard most of that story of a lot that went on for 2018 that we had to deal with. But Pastor Pagan, I had this stuff that was fear that was hitting me. I had worry that was hitting me. I had all of doubt that was hitting me. And here, I need you to hear what I'm about to tell you because the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the working person of the Godhead Trinity. We believe God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Tony, check your heart. Come on. Now I'm going to get right where we're at. And you know what ended up happening? Do you know what I ended up seeing? Do you know what I ended up figuring out that it wasn't just fear, it wasn't, wasn't worry, it wasn't doubt. You know who had got seated right there? Refuge Church. And God was trying to tell me, Tony, why are you worried about my church and the success of my church? And see, the problem that we've got in churches right now is that we've got people that are sitting right there in that, in that seat in their churches instead of Jesus. We got pastors that are doing it. We got deacon boards. We got boards that are doing it. We've got people that are doing it. And it's not their job to worry about it. It is his job to take care of the success of this church. If God is in it, it'll rise to the top. If God's for it, it will come to the top. And if it's not, somebody else is seated there. That makes sense to you? I need you to, I know, I'm gonna, I know some of you won't think I'm preaching unless I read the Bible, but I'm going to. So here's the thing, what we've got to do, the subtitle of this is Eviction Notice. And I've never rent, rented one time when me and Bethany got married 31 years ago, a 450 square foot house, set, it, set on blocks. I have a picture of it, but we don't have it to give you today. And we rented it for $150 a month and had a well for water. And then our light bill was due, and we really literally could eat off the dining room table sitting on the beautiful floral couch that we had. It was blue with some kind of pink lighting on it. The worst thing in the world would be to be renting somewhere or to be buying somewhere and to be evicted out of that. Now, I've rented. I've, I, I've rented 
a house that we built back in the late 80s. I rented it when I moved here. And for four years, I prayed that God would just help me to have patience because that's some of the hardest thing in the world to do is to try to do that. But there's no, nobody wants an eviction notice. But let me tell you, all of us today need to serve an eviction notice on the idols that we allow to set in our heart. You're going to need to listen to the entirety of this message because I'm going to preach it a little bit in reverse. I'm going to give it to you a little bit in reverse this morning. I'm not going to give you the end first, but I'm going to show you at the end how to get rid of them. Don't get comfortable with the tenets in your heart like anger. You've got to let it go. You get saved, you give your heart to Christ, you say, well, my granddaddy was a mad person, an angry person, my daddy was an angry person, all this stuff. And that's why I got this anger issue. No, I'll tell you why you've allowed anger to set at the seat of your heart. Because, now, listen to me, hear what I'm about to tell you. If God is your father, you don't have an anger problem. Because he don't have one. Ouch, amen, somewhere in there, something like that. Proverbs 24, 3, first verse. First verse I'm going to share with you. Guard your heart above all else. For it, guarding your, your heart, the center of who you are, determines the course of your life, where you're going to go, how you're going to do, what you're going to respond. But anything, now this is me, anything that you feed your spirit can give new language to your heart. This is so important, church. If we can get this down, if y'all can make it with me through this message, and you can really hang on to this, grasp it, take notes, take pictures of the screen. When you leave here, I'm telling you, if you'll live by this, your 2020 will be different than your 2019. It'll change your heart. Why? Because, listen, what's happening is this. What I said was anything you're feeding your spirit will change the language of your heart. That's why, everybody hear this, you can listen to a song on the radio that's talking about sleeping with another man's wife and you can be totally satisfied with your wife but then start thinking about your co-worker. I won't get many amens, but it's true. You can watch something on television that is feeding your spirit. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That will change the language of your heart. You can look at, you don't need to be scrolling through social media. While I'm there, today begins my first day of my social media fast. I don't do much messaging on there anyway. I'll have people message me and I don't even know they message me. And I'll go because I put something for sale to find all these messages on there. I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry that was two years ago. We had dreams, but anyhow, social media, you scrolling through there, and you're perfectly fine with who you are, and then you start reading about where somebody got a new car, a new house, and all of a sudden, what happens is comparison begins to set at the seat of your heart, and you're like, how, how in the world did they get a new car? How in the world did they get a new house? How in the world did they get that for Christmas? And you know what? We'll never know the blessings of the Lord until you and I learn to love those and to celebrate with them when they got blessed. Because I know what it's like to drive a truck for 10 years praying, Lord, please let it make it to church. Please let it, let it make it to Bible study. Driving the same van at this church for 10 years, praying all the time, God, please don't let it break down. Had a bunch of miles on it. And then, and kept, but I'd have people in the congregation that were trading in every three years. And I was like, Jesus, somehow, if you could work that out, it would just help me. Not that I needed the social status, but the fact I get tired of working on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Even though you know how to do it, you don't always want to do it. And one day, a loving church person 
who's well in their age now walked up to me and said, Pastor, you drove the same vehicle for 10 years, same two vehicles for 10 years. I've known you, Pastor Jim. I said, yes, sir, I have. And there's, you know, I didn't say there's something wrong with them because I just, he said, and he said to me, I want to give you a check to help you purchase you and your wife a newer vehicle. You know what? Why are you saying that, Pastor? I'm telling you that because we've got to learn to celebrate with other people so that the blessings of God flow to us. We're not praying Cadillacs from heaven. We're not praying checks in the mail. We're learning to celebrate with others when God blesses them because if we don't, we're allowing something else to be seated on the heart, our life's heart, and we're not God. So whatever we're feeding our heart, it could be a television program. But whatever we're feeding it can give new language to your heart and mess you up. And God cannot bless your new year until you settle your past year. So everybody's saying eviction notice. We're kicking them out in seven. Now I need you to stay with me. I'm going to take you to Ezekiel 14, verses 1 through 11. This is the crux of this message. I've got four things I need to get to you as quickly as I can. I know that I've been talking for 15 minutes, but hang with me. The Bible says this, Ezekiel 14, 1 through 11, it's going to be on the screen. It says, then some of the leaders of Israel visited me. While they were sitting with me, this message came to me from the Lord. They said, son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their, where? Heart. They've embraced the things that will make them, um, make them still go to church, go to Sunday school. No, they've embraced things that will make them fall where? Into sin. Why should I listen to their request? These are good church people, but they've fallen into sin. They're leaders. Tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, the people of Israel have set up what? They put idols in their hearts, and they've fallen into sin. And look at this, and they're going to the prophet, asking a message, wanting to know, hey, I'm here's, you know what they're saying? I'm not hearing from God anymore. Have him tell me. Let the, let the prophet, let the preacher tell me. So the so the Lord, I the Lord, will give them a kind, a kind of answer to their great idol that their great idolatry deserves. I will do this to capture their minds and their hearts. God wants your mind back. He wants your heart back of all my people who have turned to me uh, to their worship, to, to the detestable idols. Therefore, tell the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent and turn from your idols and stop all your detestable sins. I, the Lord, will answer all these, both Israelites and foreigners, who reject me and set up idols where? And they fall where? And who then comes to a prophet asking for my, my advice? In other words, he's saying they don't hear my voice anymore. They read my Bible, which I understand that it was scrolls and scripts then. They, they, read, they read my scrolls, but they're not hearing my voice anymore because they've deafened themselves. I'm going to show, show you why or how that works. So they've fallen into sin, and now what they do is they're going to the temple, and they want the prophet to tell them what they're not hearing from him. He said, I will turn against such people as a terrible example to them, eliminating them from among the people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And if a prophet is deceived into giving a message, it is because I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. I will lift my fist against such prophets, and I will cut them off from the community of Israel. Number 10, false prophets and those who seek advice, uh, seek their guidance, will all be punished for their sins. Stop right there. Do you know what he just said? He just said this. 
The people that are worshiping idols, they're going to stand accountable. But everybody look here. He said the person who is teaching them or guiding them and giving them false information will stand before me even more so. Basically, it is in a nutshell. If I'm not truthful with you and I don't tell you what I believe according to the scriptures and I just tell you it's okay, keep doing it, don't worry about it, I have to stand accountable before God. Can I tell you something? I already have to stand accountable for my own doings, but I'm sure not going to stand accountable because I didn't tell you. I love you, but I'll shoot John Wayne straight from the hip with you. I will tell you the truth of it. I will tell you, you cannot live in adultery and get to heaven. And that's just, you know, that's one thing. Okay, so, so pastor, help me out. You cannot live in constant gossiping and backbiting and get to heaven. Say, well, I thought God, he kind of gauged that sin. Adultery seems to be a whole lot worse. Listen to me. Sin is what it is. Sin. Nobody really likes to talk about it. Three-letter word we all have in common. So he said this, they will, he, he wants them, the people of Israel, to learn not to stray from the idols, polluting themselves with sin. They will be my people if, and, they, and I will be their God, and I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken, and that's the end of it. He just carried on, and that's the way that it is. Now, when we talked about the first installment here at the church and the message last week, we talked about idols on your heart. We talked about the fact that, yes, Christians do that, but there, this has uh, never thrown God off his game, that Christians come to church, believers come to church. I do believe, though, that God is concerned about the worship of our hearts. Exodus 20, verses 4 and 6 through 6, let me read this to you. He said, you must not make for yourself, this is, this is Ten Commandments. You shall not make for yourself any idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down, must not worship them. For the Lord your God is what? He's jealous. He's a God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and their entire families affected even children to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. We've talked about generational sins and curses and all of that's a lie. It just takes one generation to stand up in the face of it and say, my family, my kids are not going to be alcoholics. You, you follow me? just takes one. That's all it takes. Look at verse 6. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. Now, I'm just going to tell you, just to put it out in plain English, an automobile, a car, as much as we all like them and enjoy them and whatever, hopefully you do, can become an idol. What do you mean it can become an idol? We spend lots of money maintaining, making sure they're clean, make sure they're polished. Some of us make sure they're clean, depending on if they're deer hunting or not. And and, and then it, we'll make all the payments on it to something that we will trade in in five years. Look at this. But won't take five minutes to check our heart and say, God, what's going on here? So there's four things that anything other than Jesus on your heart will cause in your life. Listen, look here now, listen. Are you ready? 14 verse 3 tells us spiritual deception. Spiritual deception is the first thing. He said, son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They've embraced them. Notice the leaders put the idols in their hearts. What do you mean they intentionally put the idols in their hearts? Everybody, I know you're taking notes. I know you're trying to get this. What do you mean they have embraced the things that will make them fall into sin? You don't need HBO. When you've got a lust problem, you don't need to be you don't need that. 
Well, they've given it to me free, but it's going to cost you something. Because you don't need to be up at 12 and 2 o'clock in the morning and say to yourself, well, I'm going to get some wholesome television here. That's embracing intentionally an idol and causing and setting yourself up for sin. You're, you're setting an up an idol. Uh, notice that these leaders put it in their heart. Idols create deception and you make plans for your sin. Idols create deception and you make plans for your sin. To begin with, you, you make time for it. You go somewhere, wherever you're going to go. You make room for it. But the Bible says that the sins are separated. You make time for the opportunities to do what you're going to do. Listen, I counsel a lot of people. I see a lot of people. I know what it is. I'm teaching to you a lot, but hear me. You make time for your sin. And sinning presumptuously is when you say, I know this is wrong to do it, but God's going to forgive me anyway. That's sinning presumptuously. That's saying, I know that somehow or another, I'm going to assume that the grace of God in my life uh, is going to forgive me if I do this. Are you understanding what I'm telling you? And do you know what you're doing? You are, you are creating a cheapened thrill that has an eternal payment attached to it. God loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to live for Him. But, you, but, but you're like an elephant uh, skating on thin ice hoping that it won't break or fall in. Because the Bible says, regardless of what you want to believe, that the wages of sin are still death. It never changes. And you have a choice to either let God pay the bill or you pay the bill. But many Christians are willing to allow God to do that. Wearing an idol or having an idol in your heart, it's like putting on glasses with tint in the glasses and you're watching through those glasses Y'all all right with me showing you some illustrations this morning? It's like wearing glasses. Now, y'all bear with me. <clears throat> These are tinted yellow. Okay? They're Tennessee orange. That's why I bought them. I didn't get no red ones, no yellows or, or purples, Okay? It's like wearing glasses all the time with a tint of yellow on them and then saying, you know what, the shirt you've got on is yellow. Your hair is yellow. You begin to be deceived into believing that everything that you're looking at or that you see, your spiritual vision becomes blurred. Are y'all with me? These things are blurry. I can't see as it is, especially without my glasses on. And here's what happens. You, you think that everything is okay, but the truth is, look at this, every, I don't see me, but every one of you, even if you're half blind, can see these glasses. You, you see them. I told you, you're going to leave here and never forget this message. You're going to hear it ring over and over in your mind. I'm not done yet. Hang on. Everyone else sees the true colors. They actually know what's going on. But you're the one walking with spiritual vision that has been blurred and distorted. And you cannot see what you're doing is destroying your life because you've got somebody else feeding into it. When the relationships that are on your heart, the things that you allow to move in, and you, you finally 
settle for that one. You say, I, you know what, I've been looking for God to send me a husband. I've been looking for him to send me a wife. And you women have settled for a man that's abusive to you. Can I tell you something? I'm telling you that he, uh, that God is a good God and God wants to help you. But I'm going to tell you by you saying, well, he's a good man. I'll tell you, some of you girls dating some of these guys. And I'm not pointing fingers, but just hear me. And if he's doing things to you, say, well, he'll get better when I get married. He'll come to church when I get married. That is a, that is a deceptiveness that the enemy is using. You're looking through tinted glasses. You're looking through something that has your vision, vision skewed. And you don't really understand that you're making decisions in your life because you've got an idol on your heart and you really don't even see clearly. Everything you see is colored by how you feel and if you don't live in discernment, you're living in deception. Number two, spiritual adultery. I said spiritual adultery. Verse 5 says that you may seize the house of Israel by their heart. Because they are estranged from me by their idols. The Hebrew word estranged, what does that mean, Pastor? It, it really means this. A woman who is married to a man leaves that home to have a relationship with another man. Another man. Spiritual adultery is like having a relationship with God and going to whatever or whoever is on the throne of your heart and having an affair. going to whoever or whatever and having an affair and coming back to God. Is it bothering you guys that I'm wearing this? I'm going to get my point across. It, 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 it's like doing that. You, it's like you're having this affair with somebody or someone and then you're coming back to God and wanting intimacy with God in worship, hoping that He doesn't know where you've been and what you've been doing. Spotless lamb, spotless bride, you are the bride of Christ. I'm not talking to lost people, I'm talking to the church. Spotless lamb, spotless lamb, we are the bride of Christ. He's coming back. You don't hear much about the rapture, but he's coming back. There is such thing, I would be happy to sit down with you and tell you biblically why there is a great catching away. And we're looking for a lot of things, but I believe that's the next big thing on the book. Let this little study preacher and leave Timothy to you. So we go and we do our thing. Y'all want to know, aren't you? You go and you do your thing and you come back to God and you're like, it's the goodness of God. Goodness. You're such a good, good father. Bad mistake. It's like sleeping around with your wife, man, and coming in and hoping that she don't know that you've been in bed. I know I'm preaching better. I know this is preaching. I know we where we need to be this morning. But I promise you, if we can get this settled, if we can get this in our hearts settled, if you and I can get this straight, this church will explode by leaps and bounds, and we will recognize that God has got a bigger purpose and a plan that we have not even seen. So now, not only are we blinded by what we can't see, we come back, 
you're a good, good father. Yes, you are. And you know what the problem, you know what the issue is? We can't see that what we're doing has got us blinded, but everybody around us sees. I could have wrote adultery here. I could have wrote money. I could have wrote a lot of things, but I wrote sin because sin is sin, and everybody understands that sin is a three-letter word for all of the negative. But Jesus said we're the bride of Christ. He's coming back after a spotless lamb. That does not mean that you're in a perfected state. You won't be in a perfected state until you see him face to face. His grace is sufficient for you and justifies you. But I'm going to tell you, you can wear grace and justification out by living in deception. And so we don't think anything's wrong. We're, this is the way we're living, and this is what we're doing. And, we, and, and, and I want you to understand something. Please get this from me. Please hear what I'm telling you, is that our relationship with God cannot be just a Sunday morning only arrangement where you come in and you're committing spiritual adultery. What do you mean by that? Yes, even after Jesus took our sins, He paid the bill. When you're living a dual lifestyle, you are in spiritual adultery. We are the bride of Christ. Let me clarify something. Hear what this pastor is about to tell you. God is not mad at you, but He is sad for you. Because you're living in a way. You, you come back. You, you ask God for your needs to be met. You say, God, how come you're not meeting my needs? And he can smell the stench of the lover you've been courting. want you faking. You may fake it to me, you may fake it to the people that are around you, but God notices and he says you do not, uh, you don't pray because you love me, you pray because you want something. You don't pray because you love me, you pray because you need something. You can't pay your bills. That you went, you can't pay your Christmas card debt. And I never would have led you there. Listen to this, but money was on the seat of your heart. Money was there, and because money was there, you, you, you racked up a debt that I would have never led you to do because the Bible says that the feet or the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Listen to me. God cannot bless what you refuse to confront and are faking. Let me hurry. Spiritual deafness. saying God come down spoke to you audibly he can do that he did in the Bible he could today I believe that but we have this word this is his word written to all of us it is God speaking to us but people will go around with spiritual deafness John 10 verses 4 and 5 from the New King James says and it says this and when he brings out his own sheep he goes before them and the sheep follow him why because they know what Jesus is saying the sheep know his voice and they follow him. Look at this. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. Somebody say an idol. 
They will flee for him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. They're going to follow the voice of the one they know. But yet in Ezekiel 14, we're reading about the spiritual leaders who were living in deception, and because they refused to confront sin, the Bible says they became deaf to the voice of God. They're having to ask prophets, hey, speak to us, tell us something. Listen, if you've been in church for a long time and you can't hear God speak to him, I'm not saying that there's sin in your heart, but I'm going to tell you there's probably sin in your heart that you won't confront, that you won't deal with. Hear me. Hear what I'm about to tell you. There's a lot of people that are sitting in churches every day. Listen to me. I don't want anybody to ever, and I'll finish there, I don't want anybody to ever come into this sanctuary and feel like this is filled with a bunch of fakes and false. I'd rather know the dirt. I'd rather know that, that God dug us from a deep hole, that he found us, that you're sitting around. If you don't know it, you're sitting around people who were in alcohol addiction, who were in drug addiction, who were in pornography addiction, who had all kinds of addictions, but by the grace of God, he found us. He found us. He saved us. He set us free. We don't have time to talk about our neighbors. We don't have time to talk bad about the pastor. We don't have time to talk bad about the leaders because he has given us a commission, and that commission is to go into the hedges and the highways, compel those that don't know me, those that are far from me to come in. But let me tell you something. They will never want to know your God until they know that you love your God. John 10 says they won't follow the sheep. The sheep won't follow the voice of the stranger. They will refuse that. But when you put an idol on your heart, I know, you muffle the voice of God. So what's the point? Can y'all hear me? Can y'all, I know it looks silly, but I told you you'll never forget this message. You're going to leave and you're going to say, Pastor, I, I'll never forget that message. I'll never forget the way you look. I know, it'll be on social media. It's already been live. It's just what it is. But I'm going to tell you, I don't want you to leave out of here without knowing. Why did God stop speaking? Did, did, you know what? God never stopped speaking. The problem is we just stopped listening. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. We stop listening, and then we start making life decisions that will alter us with tinted glasses, living in sin in our hearts, and not listening to the voice of God. And so now, who's on the throne is directing. You remember who or whatever, anything or whoever is there? That's what's going to direct your affairs. You remember the bridge, the command center? Captain Kirk, he's given the commands to everybody that's there because he's supposed to be in the captain's chair. And here's the thing. That's why we're where we are. That's why the church, and that's why, listen to me, that the world is not listening to the voice of the church anymore because they're tired of the voice of hypocrisy. They're tired of us saying that we love God, but yet we, we, we live another way. They're, they're tired of hearing us say that we have another standard that we go by, that we've got a, we've got, the standard is the Word of God, and we'll live by that and the truth of that, yet we, they won't listen to us anymore. But if you do not have the truth as a standard, you're going to become accustomed to the lie you're believing, and you're going to believe you're okay. And that's how we raise up church people who sit on pews that take up space that don't have the heart of God. I'm not mad. I need you to get what I'm saying because if we can settle this church, this one will go out of the roof. God will bless it in such a way that he will not bless what we are not, we can't handle. 
I have watched churches, most of you know, in 1987, my beautiful bride and I met Judy Slack and Jim Slack. We were both at Bible college at Baptist Church. January of 1988, we shared David's declaration for the first time for Anchor Church. I was 18 years old, and my heart was broken. I went back after studying that word before and went back, and I was wrecked. The first church that I had an opportunity to be in, not called a denomination, it was not this denomination, but it was a well-known denomination, very closely Christian to us. I preached in that church, very, very large church. It was my first opportunity to serve in leadership as a young man. When that man retired, I think that's when he got saved. It became nothing but nothing. Would not he too hear what the pastor and the new pastor had to say? He was trying his best to lead them the best way that they could, but because he wasn't the other one, there was a problem. The church split, it divided, and, and listen, I have watched years and years of this one church. If we don't settle our yesterdays the, and the things that we have in our hearts, the glory of God will glorify or magnify the sin in our hearts. And then the man says, I've been having an affair with my co-worker for the last six months. And you know what happened? You know what the sad part is that happened in that church? Is that people who don't even know Christ or barely have had an experience or a relationship with him say, if that's what it's about, that's not for me. I never want it to be so for me. I'd rather run 100 people and love you and try to reach the lost and do what I could as to ever get to the place that we're there. I want character and integrity from this worship center to the back door to the nursery, everywhere. Because if we're living with this spiritual deception, sin in our hearts, we're deafened to the voice of God, we're making decisions not only in our own lives, but now you've got leaders in the church that are making deafening decisions. But it's not a gift from God. I can't hear you. You can hear me, but I can't hear you. Do you know what? Behind every idol is a, is a spirit that's fueling it. Behind fear, uh, behind worry is a spirit of fear. If, if, it's a, if it's fashion, then there may be a throne that's on the throne of your heart. It could be the spirit of comparison. Behind money is a spirit of lack or the love of money. Don't have enough and then love your money. When you're whispering, I can't hear you. If God's having to do that to me, and I can't hear him, then I end up places that I would not go. And instead of hearing the one who has prepared and ordered my steps and is king of my heart, I'm doing my own thing. But I'm going to church because I can. Let's pray. Can I tell you something? This is why the world looks at some of the church and says, why would I listen to them? They act like they, they say they've got it together, but they're living in deception. And the craziness of all of this is that we get accustomed to it and everything. We see that water's yellow. That water is yellow. That water's yellow. That, that water is yellow. 
And we, we start believing, are you following me? We get so accustomed to what we're looking through. I'm hot too. I wasn't earlier, but I'm getting warm. Uh, I know. Um, we get accustomed to it. So we start saying that's the way that it is. Debbie, grab water. Yep. She sees differently. She knows differently. But I've done gotten so deceived. Have you ever met somebody that's told a lie so long they believe that lie? They told stories about themselves that you figured out. Some, they was either grandparents that never believed, but they kept telling it so much they really believed that they were all of that, but that was it, and they really didn't believe it. Anybody ever had that? Last thing, and I'm done. Um, yeah, go ahead. Spiritual consequences. Now, I looked to see if there was another way to do this today to help us get to this point, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to deeply get into idols and get out of here fast. Ezekiel 14.10 says, false prophets and those who seek their guidance will be punished in addition. The Bible's teaching that the person who is living in delusion and the prophet or the leader or the pastor who told them it's all right. I had to go to a hospital one time. Okay, get your water. Thank you. I had to tell a man in a hospital room when the doctor walked in, he said, if you keep doing this, you'll die. And he was right. The doctor left. Later on, I had opportunity to talk to him. He said, I've got to tell you, I've got to make sure that I have never told you, never understood from me, but excessively drinking was okay. He said, I've never said that to you, and that it was okay for you to do that. And we had an agreement. I needed to know that for my own self because I didn't want that man, something to happen to him, and me think that somehow or another he thought that this pastor thought it was okay because I don't want to live that way. You you, You following what I'm saying? So as a shepherd or the pastor of the house, the reason it's my obligation to correct you, the reason I'll sit and talk with each of you about giving, I'll talk to you about your, how you're, what you, what's in your heart, what, how you're living. And I have, we went through that with a team this morning, people that I am responsible to that keep me in check. More than one. Ones of those that do that. And don't mind asking me, what are you looking at? Are you giving your tithe? How are you doing? Are you praying? Are you reading your word? Look here. When we start getting the spiritual perspective, most of the time, two things. One, there's a dusty Bible. And two, there's an empty altar call. So I want to tell you, hey, there is consequences. Because my punishment is going to be much worse than yours for society. All right, here it is. So spiritual consequences. I really, really want a different illustration, but this will get the point across. So now, we're not only seeing through these. Something good about this. I got to be able to hear a little bit. We've got spiritual consequences, which means, you know how that is. When your kids just say, look, if you, if you back talk me again, I'm going to do it to you. Y- y'all got that. I was raised in a house that my daddy believed that you would not die. It was not punishment. You got a, we called it a black belt booty whooping. I know the new, age, the new group that's coming up, thank them. You never got that. My daddy said he's going to get a whooping for this. I'm just just follow what I'm saying. Consequences for your actions. 
I'm going to put you in time out. I didn't know what you were doing. What are you talking about? It's okay. It's all right. I understand. New age, different generation. Consequences for your sins. So now your vision is gone. You can't really hear what's in your heart. there will come out here and can definitely hear and is desperately hearing. And then that's why you have trouble getting to prayer whether it's right here with the Lord face to face. Not from the world. You're not pastoring. Guys, you are not pastoring. I'm not here to be pastored. It is level at the foot of the cross. I am the donkey that God chose to ride in on and carry me. I'm the one who saved you all from your past. That's the way I see it. That's how I see this. There's no freedom in it. And the Bible says in Matthew, he that does not obey my words, Jesus sets forth become the idol of my heart, God, it was never my responsibility. God, I'm so sorry that I sat around and worried about how I was going to pay my bills. God, when you said that you own a cattle on a thousand hills and that you would take care of me and that, that David would say I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Y'all want me to keep on. I'm just telling you, we do serve a good, good God, but we do this to ourselves. 